Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your second place. What? Second place Miami Dolphins. I am Sam Marcou, and he is the returning two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Colin. Oh, by the way, Perfectville is now a part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. Chris, how the hell are you? The Dolphins are assholes. You go on vacation. They're undefeated and in first place. You come back from vacation. They have lost two in a row and are now looking up at the assholes of the New England Patriots. What the fuck happened? Yeah, I'm feeling terrible, actually, Sam. Uh, my vacation's over. Been planning for a year, and all of a sudden it's wham, bam, thank you, man. And it's all gone. And the Miami Dolphins look like the absolute shit house of the NFL the last two weeks and give us a little hope in the first half on Sunday when I got back and I was kind of excited and then we lost in the most embarrassing fashion possible uh, by choking away literally uh, just looking like an incompetent piece of shit football team so it's been uh, such a wishy-washy week it's been unbelievable I'm happy I had a great time on vacation and the Miami Dolphins suck ass and I got another hurricane randomly fucking hitting me so yeah uh, fuck everything right now yeah, seriously, you got a uh, Hurricane Michael coming in uh, right on your heels after you guys just recovered from what was it, Florence? <laughs> yeah. Um, and as I said, you know, we were undefeated when you left and are now completely defeated, not only as a franchise but as a fan base. The citizens of Perfectville not happy. Doll fans worldwide not happy. I'm about to hop on a plane and go to Florida uh, over the top of a hurricane and to uh, a team and a franchise that's facing sh- the Chicago Bears and oh by the way, uh, certain somebody named Khalil Mack. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be very happy, but before we get to that, I do want to get your thoughts on just how in the hell the Miami Dolphins can be so creative on how to lose, but not creative at all when it comes to playing offensive football. Uh, you alluded to it. Uh, the Dolphins were 14 up 14 nothing at halftime in full control of the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Come out and score a field goal in the second half to uh, put them up 17 nothing. Go into the fourth quarter with a 17 to three lead and somehow unexpectedly, unexplicably, inexplicably, I should say, lose 27 to 17. They let 27 unanswered points be scored on them, uh, whether it was defense or offense. Uh, That's got to be one of the worst quarters of football the Miami Dolphins have ever played. Yeah. Just when you think like there's nothing else we can talk about as a podcast, they go and just one up us and, and give us this information and um it, it's just terrible man after the patriots loss i'm in orlando um i immediately afterwards went to uh i'm glad it was just a fucking shit house we just got our dicks kicked in so i didn't even care i just got ready for halloween horror night so it's not like it was a close game i was biting my nails uh we got on the boat went and had a great night had a great time i was fucking trashed because i was watching the dolphins embarrass me and i was planning on wearing dolphin stuff during halloween horror nights but they made sure to embarrass me enough to completely go incognito because um no way i'm going to try to fucking rep that team in public after that shit house of a play uh performance so um that was fine but it was one of those things where like you know as the patriots and they don't lose three in a row we talked about it before uh the game 
that just doesn't happen. We don't beat them uh, on uh, on the road, and they don't lose three in a row. That just doesn't happen. So it wasn't really unexpected. The way we lost was it was just completely embarrassing. We didn't even look like an NFL football team. Uh, but no, no big deal. Hey, we're three and one. No problem. They're still behind us. And then Sunday came, and uh, all the superstitions go out the window because it's like you said. I, I go on vacation and we lose, but. Here I am. I fly in Saturday night. Watch the, I'm home in time to watch the McGregor fight and that shit house afterwards um, and have everybody over as normal. I'm wearing the normal clothes. We're watching it in the man cave. So we're 3-0 and when we've done this. And I felt good about it. And then, of course, first half looks great. 14 nothing. Defense is just absolutely putting on a great performance. And we come out and just uh, – I don't know. It was just the, the light switch turned and a couple injuries happened. And all of a sudden we have no one that can confidently just like, get in front of somebody. Uh, Tannehill looked terrible again. Yeah. Um, and our defense did great. I feel horrible for him. Gase did too. He's, he just feels like he's got his dick kicked in because the defense comes out and plays amazing. Our offense gives up more points than our defense does. And uh, every ball bounced perfectly off helmets into guys' hands. Uh, we're on the road to a team that was playing lights out in Cincinnati. And we had an opportunity to really show up and uh, say that New England game was a fluke and we're a team to be reckoned with. And instead, we turned into an absolute laughing stock. Yeah, you know, and, and you'd mentioned a stat there that uh, I think needs to be hammered home again. The offense gave the Bengals more points than the defense did. Uh, we gave up 14 points from our offense, and we gave up 13 points from our defense. Something else to keep in mind is that uh, we scored 17 points, but seven of those came via special teams. And uh, really, you know, that, that means the offense put up 10 points in this Ugh. game. It's uh, It wasn't as good as we thought it was. That's how good the defense was playing is that we were up 17 nothing and go, man, we have this in control. We're, we're really rolling on every facet of the game. And just uh, that quickly, it all comes unglued. It all comes unraveled. Everyone is questioning Ryan Tannehill – even Travis Wingfield, who was on this very program last week, went on a Twitter tirade, not against the normal people that he would usually rant against, but against Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill. When you have Travis Wingfield, who I think has a poster of Ryan Tannehill <laughs> above his bed. Uh, maybe not when, anymore. <laughs> maybe not anymore, but uh, he did up until last week when he is going off against Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase. You know the fan base is down in the dumps. Uh, the team is 3-2, and two, but uh, and you know there are some positives. I mean, Robert Quinn continues to look like a stud and looks like a complete steal to get him for like a fifth rounder or whatever we did from the Rams. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick is, might be the solution to our screen pass problems on defense. That guy just sniffs that out and blows people up. So we do have some positives there. You look at the defense when it comes to takeaways. We have more interceptions this year than all of last year, and we've only played five games. So there are some positives there. But uh, overall, when you look at this team, they look like a maybe a 1-4 and four or 0-5 oh team the last couple of weeks. I mean, the way they lost against the Bengals, like you said, was just a kick in the dick. I mean, you don't do that. You don't lose a game like that. That's one of those games where if you miss the playoffs by one game or two games, you kind of look at that and go... Well, we have no excuse. It's not because of refs. It's not because of penalties. It's not because of injuries. It's because we shit the bed when we had them by the throat. Um, you know, you mentioned the injuries. We're, we're down to like our seventh and eighth string linemen, you know, and, and you look at how poorly people blocked after uh, Laramie Tunzel went down. And you look at the best block I saw all day. I shit you not. It was like on a, it was, I think it was in the second quarter, Chris. It was Kenyon it was like Drake. A, 
no, it was a Kenyon Drake run, but it was Mike Gesicki of all people. He he put on mm. the block of the day. It just happened to be his own offensive lineman. So <laughs> I mean, it actually cost Kenyon Drake, which would have been a touchdown. But Mike Gesicki blocked his own teammate, his own offensive lineman into Kenyon Drake. He had to go around, and then he got tackled. So that's how that game went. Is that even when Mike Gesicki finally was able to block somebody, he blocked his own teammate, and he blocked his own teammate into the guy running with the ball and cost him points. I mean, the, the, which the was part for the course. Jawan James threw a fucking defensive end into Ryan Tannehill to strip the ball. Like he pushed him into yeah. him. And, and and my dad at the point we were, we were literally drunk and we're arguing at this point because we're losing. So everybody's hot. And he's like just blaming the offensive line. And it's only because it's the depth and uh, all these injuries. And when that play happened, I'm like, that's our only starter. That's our only starter. And look what he just did. And he was just like, fuck. And just like took a shot like of whiskey. Like it's just horrible game. The wheels came off, and, and, and I think for me, the play of the game, and, and this is there's 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 really <laughs> they go back to back. The play of the game was Frank Gore on second and five, getting a shoestring tackle to have it go three third and one. Okay, so if people don't remember this, the third and one play is when we went deep, when we really were moving the ball and we had control of the game. Adam Gase decided to get cute and tried to go deep when you were up seventeen to three at the time. That's one that is not the time, Adam Gase, to do your third and you know third and long shot when you're at third and short okay that is the time to turn around and give the ball to frank gore who's just grinding out four or like five seven yards, yards of carry like a, know, it was unstoppable the play before that the play before that go back and watch the tape he has a hole that he could be he would still be running but one of the Bengals players got an arm out and tripped him at the last second and tripped him just short of that first down marker and you can see it on frank gore's face he's pissed because he knows that if he gets past that arm tackle that he's gone and nobody's catching him even at his old man age but it put us at third and one and the play after that is the play that instead of just turning around and handing the ball off to Frank Gore or even Kenyon Drake at that point or, or having Ryan QB Tannehill sneak. fall yes. forward like Jared exactly. Goff did and Sean McVay did or it that for Tom the Rams. Brady's been doing for 20 fucking years and never been stopped because it's a third and a foot but no they don't do that what they do they try to go deep they try to get cute that play works when you're down or if it's an even game or if it's early but when you're up by 14 late in the game on the road against a three and one very good Cincinnati Bengals team you don't fuck around and Adam Gase fucked around and at that point it was the turning point we did not come back we didn't play another down of competent football after that on offense it was uh it was embarrassing and for me that was the epitome of that game so close yet somehow we fall short and can't recover. And that play is the epitome of what the Miami Dolphins have been this, really, the last couple of weeks, and quite frankly, as a franchise ever since Dan Marino retired. Um, but that, that, you know, there's nothing we can do about it, Chris. They're three and two. They're going to have to drag themselves off the mat. We are getting some players back. It does look like Laramie Tunzel might be able to play. Cameron Thank Wake, I believe, I believe Cameron Wake will be ready for this game against the Bears. It also looks like uh, that our, 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 our nickel cornerback, Bobby McCain, is walking around without a brace. So some of these people are getting healthy some of these people look like they might be ready to get back into action and boy are we going to need it against a pretty talented Chicago Bears team especially with uh, the big beast himself Khalil Mack roaming on the defensive side of the ball against a beat up injured and really not, not really confident offensive line of the Miami Dolphins 
Yeah, and you kind of mentioned it already, um, but I want to touch on it a little bit more. We've kind of already touched on uh, Ryan Tannehill some, but I've got to say, man, uh, this is two weeks in a row now. Even a couple of the games we won this year where I've been on Twitter and I've had the same sentiment of some of the people I follow. I see the same thing. There's plays that happen, and I'll, I'll refresh Twitter, and I'll see five to eight tweets back to back to back where people are just questioning and shitting on Adam Gase's play calling. Um, it, it was stupid at times where it was just predictable. Three guys stacked to the right, and I'm like, here comes a screen, and there it is. And if they don't block perfectly or if um, you know, there's one guy that reads it right like Minka does for us on defense, it's an easy stop for loss. It just seems like such a silly play, and he constantly is throwing behind the sticks on third and manageable, like third and six, and we're running four-yard routes and getting yeah. tackled right away. Like I get he might be trusting these guys to break one tackle, but dial something else up. Because the thing that's most frustrating to me, Sam, is watching other games. I'm watching games on Thursday night, Sunday night, at 4 o'clock games, and Monday, and I'm seeing what looks like just mind-blowingly different offenses where guys have space, they have uh, easy routes that are hard to cover, uh, where they're getting open, and it seems pretty simple enough, like quick slants. They're getting rid of the ball quickly, even if there's guys that have teams with injuries on the offensive line where they know they can't hold their blocks. Instead of throwing screens and stupid-ass bootlegs or Tannehill's fake handoffing and running to the right behind Kenyon Drake, of all people, to block for him, like, that, just asinine, stupid play calling where you can just – I know our offensive line is battered and beat up. Instead, keep a tight end there to help with Smythe maybe over with Young and do a quick snap slant to Wilson or Stills. Or a drag route with Amendola. Why is Amendola not getting involved wow. in this offense? Like, he's open all the time for New England. He's playing against the same defenses. I don't care who's throwing him the ball. He's open for New England against the same defenses. So why isn't Adam Gates finding ways to get to him? And I found it really odd and funny, Sam, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, that in garbage time, when nothing mattered anymore, all of a sudden Gusecki gets three, four targets, and he's making big plays down the field at the end of the game. Like, where was that all game? Well, it might have been the way the defense was was lining up at that point because at that point the game was over, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but they're really not matter. double teaming him in the beginning of the game. It's not like they're taking him away. He hasn't done anything yet, so no, but it, I feel like Gase isn't trying to like even get him involved. I don't think Mike Gesicki is where we need him to be. I mean, if you watch the game tape, he gets blown up by by cornerbacks running in on a blitz. I mean, they're just pushing him out of the way like he's a little girl. I mean, he doesn't have any weight in his uh, in his ass. I he guess runs I mean, weird too. Do you notice how he runs? Like he's like, uh, um, what's his name? The guy Jaws from Bond, James Bond, that was in Happy Gilmore when he's chasing Shooter McGavin at the end. Yeah. He runs all weird with his arms all huge and high in the air and his knees up. Like he runs very odd. I just I don't see that guy running a four five. No, he's he's just not ready, and, and that's the bottom line. I mean, you, you can say what you want about AJ Derby not being the guy. I mean, AJ Derby to me is like Justin Peel. He he's kind of a bridge player. He's here to just kind of bring some calm to that position. And with Marquise Gray going out, you know that's that's a piece of this puzzle that I don't think we talk about a lot. It's a big loss. He was the starting tight end. He was going to be that H back, fullback, all of these things that get us your short yardage, you know, lead blocker type guy. Uh, he's out. AJ Derby is the backup. AJ Derby can do a you know everything okay adequately but he's not like a superstar in any one thing. Uh, he gets out. And then you have this guy, Mike Gesicki, who all of us put way, probably way too much expectations on, um, all of a sudden thrust into a starting role against all pros when he was doing very minimal in 
preseason against second and third stringers. So he's just not ready. And, you know, that's part of why I thought he wouldn't be ready until later in the year. But at this point, he's got to step up if he's even going to be able to keep his job. Otherwise, you know, you might be looking at Smythe. You might be looking at, you know, getting a, a different tight end in there because he's he's going to get somebody hurt. He's going to get Ryan Tannehill hurt with his blocking. He's not getting himself open until late in the game when it doesn't really fucking matter. I mean, it's just it, it, it right now the whole offense is a disaster. And, and this is one of those games that just sticks with you longer than even the New England Patriots game, quite frankly. I mean, this Bengals game uh, left a sour taste in my mouth. And uh, here we are up against a, a pretty decent, stout Chicago Bears game uh, team, I should say, that uh, if Mitch Trubisky is on, we're in trouble. Uh, you have Khalil Mack, like I said, roaming the other side of that ball against a beat-up, hurt offensive line. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts here, Chris, as quickly as we can? Because we're not going to put much effort into this if the Dolphins are going to put much effort into their fourth quarter. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? Do you see the Miami Dolphins recovering and, and beating the Bears? Or uh, do you see this going to uh, a three-run or three-game losing streak and back to 500? Yeah, I'm pessimistic as I've been all year. Uh, obviously, we all are. But I'm, I'm as pessimistic as I've been for a long time. Last year, we had excuses. We had, you know, our, our quarterback was out and uh, Rashad Jones. All these guys are injured, things like that. And um, now it's just sitting there. Yeah, we lost a couple linemen. Yeah, we lost Kilgore and Sitton. And, of course, losing Tunzel. That's just a fucking absolute avalanche of injuries on your offensive line when you're counting on those guys. But if they're in the NFL, they need to step up. At least get in front of somebody. Travis Winkfield uh, was posting GIFs and, and videos today on Twitter and it was just embarrassing some of the performances of these guys and that's where uh, in question you know we, we questioned I know after the draft we didn't draft one lineman like why and they're happy and confident with the guys we had with the Larsons with the Sam Youngs and stuff like that and it's just like you know these decisions they're making are hurting us down the line when we need these guys to step up they look no better than Dallas Thomas or Billy Turner in there I mean just absolute embarrassment to where they couldn't even get in front of guys giving out inside position it was just it was terrible embarrassing uh so you got to look at the front office the Chris Greers the Tannenbaums even Gase making these decisions to keep four quarterbacks instead of having maybe like a couple more linemen on the team maybe that would help um it's just weird how things are going Asiata is obviously not doing anything because he's sitting there on the practice squad not good enough to come up when we're in dire need of offensive linemen he's a bad uh, scheme fit I mean that, that somebody yeah. else pointed that out to me he's just not he can't play in this offensive line uh, the way it's schemed out to be so he's a bad draft pick because of that and I don't know if that's a miscommunication or if they thought he could like his skills would translate but he's not an option you're absolutely right because if he was he wouldn't be sitting on the practice squad to begin with and if right. he was even if even if he could do anything he definitely wouldn't be there right now not when you've got you know uh your your backup guards in your backup tackles in and you're sitting on your backup center absolutely not yeah and bringing the bears back into it if trubisky is on we're in trouble i can see us especially with khalil mack rushing away from our weaknesses right now which is the left side of the offensive line if Jawan james can get some help and actually play to his level that he was doing very well last year um we will need some help and some quick passes but i'm not confident in gase having a, a play calling uh, scheme to be something that uh, is impressive or something that's going to help us the only thing that we have on our side is a home game they'll be in dark colors they're a north team uh and it's a one o'clock ball game 
game in Miami, so hopefully the humidity and the heat really takes us. But I, I don't trust Gase to come out with a game plan to pound the rock and run the ball and keep their defense on the field and tire them out because he just seems to do the complete opposite of what seems like the logical thing to do. So at this point in time, Sam, it doesn't look uh, optimistic at all in this game because uh, the Bears have hit, been hit or miss also, but their defense is insane. Khalil Mack is outplaying the entire Raiders defense whom traded him and then Trubisky is just coming off a couple of weeks ago like a seven touchdown performance so I mean it just is a scary game where we can either turn our season around and be four and two and looking bright and happy with a schedule coming up in front of us that is doable or, or we can just lose and all of a sudden we're three and three and back to talking about mediocrity yeah we are right in the middle of the wizard of oz part of our schedule the lions tigers and bears oh my the tigers got a hold of us the bears at this point i'm going to be at this game i think i've mentioned that a couple of times i will actually be there in person as part Which of we the have Dolph- good success with you in person is that right that is true. I think the only game where I've been in the last 10 years that they've lost with me in person, actually there's two games, one against the uh, 49ers when Colin Kaepernick and Randy Moss were running around, and then also uh, the Seattle game a couple of years ago. But I usually am in attendance for a Dolphins win. So that we have that going for us, ladies and gentlemen. So all hope is not lost. Number two, here's something that I think we do we do play better at home i mean just in general that's the case it's going to be muggy as hell i mean it, today i think it was 85 degrees in miami and it felt like 98 that wears on a team look no further than the raiders a couple of weeks ago they completely fell apart Part of that, I have to believe, is due to the humidity that happens in Miami. And as you mentioned, Chicago, as humid as it can be, it ain't humid right now. So this is a team where they're going to be sitting in the sun, in those dark colors. They're going to wear down. They're not going to be ready for that. The Miami Dolphins will. And three, for my money... I think this team is pissed off. I think they know they fucked up. I think they know that they let them off the leash uh, or let them off the hook, as uh, Danny Green would say in years past. I think this team is actually going to come out pretty fired up. I think Adam Gase, is, he's shown that he can adjust and learn, um, at least in game, last game you know, excluded. I'm, I'm hoping he can figure that out for this game. I am 5-0 and oh so far in picking the Miami Dolphins games this year, and I'm actually going to go optimistic on you. I'm going to pick the Miami Dolphins to win this game. 20 to 13 in a game that's going to be ultimately kind of boring, but a game that we're actually going to see what this team is made of with all the injuries, with the penalties that they still can't seem to figure out in year three with Adam Gase. I think the Miami Dolphins take advantage of Mitch Trubisky. I think they figure out a way to minimize Khalil Mack's impact. And I think you ultimately see Ryan Tannehill play a very Ryan Tannehill game after three good weeks and two bad weeks, where he's going to have about 190 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, as well as about 45 yards rushing, and everybody's going to be back to square one, whether he is the answer or not. But I see us <laughs> winning 20 to 13. It's funny you mentioned that. There's a couple of times uh, in the, the last game where I was like, will you fucking run the ball, Ryan? Like there was plenty of times where he could have taken off and ran, and then I'm seeing Blake Bortles uh, come across the bottom of the screen, 24 yard touchdown run uh, for him, and I'm like, you know, Ryan Tannehill needs to be doing this more often because um, they're not spying the guy. Like, and there was times even in that rollout and third down, I feel like he could have got one yard and extended the ball out at the sideline or something. I don't know if Gase has uh, pulled the leash on him or something because of the knee, and he just wants him to be a, a pocket quarterback. But I think that's where he could really change the defense and really uh, piss teams off on third down and 
and manageable where he can take off and run when everybody's covered, which seems to be the case the last few games. It just feels like no one's getting open, so they need to do something different, and him running might be the the key to that. But I actually agree with you, Sam, and it's because I don't uh, – we didn't mention this yet, and I think this is actually a big deal because this seems like the type of game where Adam Gase takes it personal. And when that happens, there's just like, just like a player when there's like you, you circle a team on a calendar or something, they play a little different. This is a former franchise that uh, uh, employed Adam Gase, and he seems to really want to fucking stick it to former teams that employed him at at prior times. The Denver Broncos kicking an onside kick up by like just a ton of points that they could not come back from. Uh, Just really shit on John Elway. And then the Chicago Bears where he's offense coordinator and then became the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I can see him wanting to stick it to this franchise, to this team, uh, just to show, hey, you let me go. Bad move. Here I am, head coach, four and two. I can see that being the case and him just unloading uh, random tricks and treats out of his playbook. So um, I, I I agree with you, even though I've been pessimistic uh, this whole episode. But I do see us bouncing back here after two just really embarrassing losses. The team's pissed off. We're getting some guys back that we need. And um, I see us winning a very low-scoring game, 17-14. Well, we are in agreement once again. And when Chris and Sam activate their Wonder Twin powers, uh, nothing can go wrong. And as you know, Chris, <laughs> Saturday, <laughs> everything's going to go wrong. We're going to lose like 35-10 to 10 and everyone's yep. going to shit on us. But that's okay. And you know why it's okay? Because my birthday is Saturday, October 13th. I will be at Bow Campers that night celebrating, letting people buy me drinks and getting all sloppy kinds of drunk. Um, rumor has it, Chris, that there might be a couple of former Miami Dolphins players, including some big names, that are going to be there that night. But you didn't hear that from me. Uh, so come out to Bow Campers Saturday night. Find me. I'll be the drunk guy who's yelling stuff at people who he shouldn't be yelling stuff at and uh, buy me a drink and make me louder and more yelling at everything. And then I'll be at the game on October 14th against the Bears. Chris, I'm looking forward to it. This is my big vacation for the year. This is my birthday present to myself. So everybody come out, all the citizens of Perfectville, come find me, talk to me, let me know how much, how awesome I am, how awesome Chris is. Uh, Chris, I'm glad to have you back on the show. Never leave again because you leave, they lose two in a <laughs> row and come out of first place. Um, thank you for joining us here. Uh, good luck. Hunker down with that hurricane coming up and I will talk to you soon. Anything else before we leave, I should ask. Yeah. Happy birthday, man. And enjoy Kimbo campers. Uh, that's a, that's a fun spot there. Um, everybody go out and have a good time with Sam, of course, and enjoy the game. I really hope we win for, for you and for us. And we can have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Just make sure, like you said, you're yelling at people, obscenities. You have to at least try to top the time you told a woman that you'd like to, uh, her to use your face as a toilet seat in New York city while holding two pitchers of beer. So if you could top that at least or come close to it, I'd be very proud of you. Uh, you know, I think technically we were in New Jersey when I said that, but <laughs> it was uh, New York, Newark. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I definitely said it, and then I jumped out of a hotel window thinking I was on the first floor and was on the second and broke my tailbone. That's how people as you remember. Yeah, yeah. I didn't spill my beer, though, so I was, uh, I was in complete You're so control. proud of that. I didn't I spill it, guys. Not a drop. I didn't spill it. I'm sitting there, like, bleeding out of my asshole because I fell from a second-story window of a hotel onto concrete. And I'm like, hey, I didn't spill it. What do you guys think? You're like, we think you should go to the hospital. That's what we yeah. think. Urgent care. It's right down the street. You have to take two right turns to make a left. Yeah, well, oh well. Hopefully that doesn't happen, because if it does, this is going to be a very uh, sad cast next week as we come back to Perfect Grill. But for now, all we can say is, on behalf of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, goodbye from Perfectville. Later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.